Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you take a deep dive into a topic that is so critical for our growth as believers, and that is the kingdom of God. We are going to be talking about the kingdom of God tonight, and I'm super excited. Um, Spiritual maturity really takes place as we go from thinking natural, temporal, into supernatural kingdom thinking. So that's why we're going to spend some time talking about it tonight. And I'm just going to start with a couple foundational basics, and then we're going to get into the meat of it. Okay, you guys with me? All right, so foundational basic number one, the kingdom of God is real. Okay, it is not a fairy tale. It's not make-believe. It is a real kingdom. It is invisible. We don't see it yet, but it is fully in operation, even on planet Earth. The kingdom of God is filled with blessings and promises and our kingdom destiny. But if we don't understand the culture of the kingdom and we don't understand who we are in the kingdom and how the kingdom of God operates, we can't access those blessings and those promises and we end up living a life of confusion, honestly. So that's why we're going to spend some time talking about it tonight. And as you guys know, we're in our reborn series. We're talking about being reborn, made in the image of God. So when we're talking about being reborn, we have to spend time talking about the kingdom of God. Because when we are born again, when we get saved, we enter into the kingdom of God as adopted sons and daughters of the king. We are no longer orphans. We are no longer flying solo. We're no longer alone. In Galatians 4, 7, it says, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. God has made you an heir in the kingdom of God. Galatians 3.26. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. How powerful is this? We have got to get a revelation around this. I'm telling you, when we get a, a genuine revelation around the fact that we are no longer orphans, we are sons and daughters of the king in the kingdom of God, it transforms everything. So although we know this is true, because we just read the scripture, the Bible lays this out clearly. So many of us, even after we get saved, we still think like orphans. We still have an orphan mindset. We still have an orphan perspective. And this is really critical because even science has proven that thoughts become beliefs. Beliefs become actions. Actions become habits. And habits become your life, your whole life. So you can really box up your whole life, rewind it all the way back to thoughts. Simple, small thoughts. So our thought life is incredibly powerful. So that's why we're going to be addressing today um, the thoughts of the son and the thoughts of the orphan. We're going to be looking at that today. And I am super excited about tonight because, like I said, it's going to be a little outside of the box. So here we go. Okay. So this is going to be an active participation night, meaning that all 
of you guys are going to be active participants in my message. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to call you up on stage or do anything weird, but you're all going to participate and engage through using your imagination. We are going to use our imagination tonight. An important side note is that our imagination is actually very powerful. We can think of our imagination like, like the eyes of our spirit being. Our physical body has physical eyes, and our spirit, our soul, has our imagination. So depending on what we focus our imagination on, it can produce fear. If you're watching horror films and thinking about horrific things and horrific traumas, that's going to produce fear in your spirit. Whereas if you use your imagination to focus on the word of God and the principles of God, it produces faith in our spirit. So that's what we're going to do today. We are going to use our imagination um, to unlock some really powerful kingdom principles. You with me? Yay. This is going to be so fun. Okay. So we are going to create a storyline, all right? So everybody get your imagination caps on. We are going to imagine a kingdom, any kind of kingdom. I go medieval, I think, because I've seen, like, so many King Arthur and, like, Knights of the Round Table. But any kingdom, and every kingdom has a king. Every kingdom has to have a king, otherwise it's not a kingdom. So in our story, this king is a loving king. He is a good king. He is a king that is filled with all goodness, all love, also justice, also truth. He is a very, very good king. And the culture in our kingdom are all of the attributes from the king. It's a culture of mercy, a culture of honor, a culture of generosity. And there are participants in our kingdom, many participants. But tonight, we are going to focus on two characters in this kingdom. We are going to focus on the orphan and the son of the king. And we're going to look at four specific areas. We're going to do a juxtaposition, a compare and contrast in four specific areas. And we're going to look at the differences between how an orphan thinks and how the son thinks. And as we're doing this, by the way, the title of my message, oh, yay, you guys already have it up. Thank you. The Orphan and the Son. So as we're doing this, I really want you to, to have a self-assessment, to think, which one do I relate to more? Which one do I think more like? Which one do I process more like? It's really going to locate where you're at if you're thinking like an orphan or thinking like a son. All right, you guys with me? Yay. Okay. So point number one, the first area we're going to look at. We're going to look at the son. The son operates out of position while the orphan operates out of performance. So we're going to look at the orphan first. So the orphan has an orphan mentality. He's alone. He feels that he's alone. He feels he has no family, no covering, no one to look out for him. And he kind of has this sense that he doesn't really belong in the kingdom. He's just there to complete tasks. He's just there to do things, to create results. And so he works tirelessly. He works and works and works, and he's super results-based. And ultimately, he's trying to earn the love of the king through doing so his relationship with the king is based solely on doing. Look, king, what I do. Look, king, how I perform. He doesn't actually have a heart connection with the king. He doesn't actually know the heart of the king. 
the orphan is insecure and self-promoting. He's the guy that always needs to put everybody else down to feel good about himself. He's always comparing himself. He's like, mm, he's competitive with others. Like, I don't know. I know she's not that good. Mm, I'm better than her. He's that guy. And he's always seeking affirmation to, he just wants somebody to tell him he belongs there. So he seeks the affirmation of man. Somebody tell me that I belong here. Somebody tell me that I'm worthy. Somebody affirm me. He works tirelessly and he has a hard time relaxing and having fun. He's the killjoy at every party because like we got to keep going. We got to keep doing. We got to do more, do more. We can't have fun. We can't relax. We can't chill. That's the orphan. He focuses on his gifts instead of his character. He's very aware of his gifts and his gifts are very precious to him because again, he's performing. So he's like, I'm good at singing. I'm good at leadership. I'm really, really, really good guys. Look, I have these gifts. I have these amazing gifts. King, King, notice me. Look at my gifts. Look at my gifts. And he becomes very offended when someone else gets a promotion that he thinks isn't as gifted as him right? Because he doesn't understand the king does not promote off of gifting. Never has, never will. The king promotes off of character and maturity. So the orphan is confused and, has a, and doesn't understand, so he becomes offended. The orphan is rule-focused because rules make him safe to perform. He's like, okay, you tell me all the rules. I will make sure that I execute them. Tell me the lingo. I'll talk the talk. I'll walk the walk. Because again, he wants to stay in the kingdom. So he's like, tell me what I got to do to stay here. But he's very rules focused with other people. He's constantly pointing out, well, she's breaking the rules. Well, he broke the rules. Well, she's not following the rules. I think we should kick them out of the kingdom. They don't get to be here anymore. He's legalistic, he's critical, and he's judgmental of everybody else. All right, so that's the orphan, the son. The son is secure in his position and his role in the kingdom. He knows that he belongs there. Ain't nobody going to kick the son out of the kingdom. He knows that there is no principality, no power, nobody. Nobody is going to tell the son that he doesn't belong in the kingdom. So he is very secure. He's secure in his identity because he derives his identity from the king. He knows the king and the heart of the king. And so when he sees the king, he knows I'm the son of the king. Therefore, I am like the king. I am made in the king's image. The king is good. Therefore, I am good. The king is kind. Therefore, I am kind. So he has a secure identity. And he knows he's a representative of the king. I am the son of the king. Everywhere I go, I represent the heart of the king. He has a deep relationship with his father. He knows his father's heart and character. His relationship with the king is not based on doing, but it is based on knowing. They know each other. When he hears his father's voice, he knows it's his father's voice. He is not a rebellious or prideful son. Of course, the son wants to do good things for his father, but it is not out of obligation. It's not to earn love, but it's out of love. It's out of an overflow of love that he does things for his father. Above all else, the son exalts the king and honors the king. He does not self-promote. He is not a self-promoter. 
The son carries the authority of the father. You see, the son understands that when he submits to the king, through submitting to the king, he now can reign and rule with the king, his father. He's understood that submission allows him to reign and rule in the kingdom. He doesn't need to compare himself to others because he has his own relationship with the king. He doesn't need to worry about who's getting a promotion. He's excited for other people and celebrates their promotion. And he's gracious and merciful to others. He is not legalistic or critical. So my question tonight to you is, are you operating like an orphan out of performance? Or are you operating as a son with the king? You know, for me, I I grew up in a beautiful Christian family. My parents are actually here and my grandma. Hello, visiting from South Carolina. They're here all the way from South Carolina. Um, and I just want to honor you guys for being just incredible parents who, who taught us the Bible, taught us the word. They were just such loving, loving parents. Um, but we grew up in, in a church environment that was very religious. And so growing up, you know, my relationship was God, with God was all about doing. It was all about performing. It was all about walking the walk, you know, and talking the talk. And unfortunately for me, to make things exponential, Exponentially worse. My family, my siblings, are like strangely uniquely gifted people. I know this is like a running joke because it is actually hysterical. So I'm one of four, so I have three siblings, and my siblings are like freakishly good at something. So and it was like identified when they were this little. So my brother is like a freak athlete. He became a major league baseball player, played for the White Sox. My sister, my little sister, she writes music for Awaken Music. You saw her on the video. She's an unbelievable singer-songwriter, voice of an angel. My older sister, she was like the social, funny, fun, gregarious one. And I always just felt like the oddball. I was like, what am I good at? I'm not good at anything. This is terrible. So I was insecure, add that to the religion, and you've got a mess on your hands. So I was so orphan-minded. I just remember working tirelessly. Poor Jonathan, when he met me and we were dating, I was like working three jobs, exercising every day, serving at the church. Like I couldn't sleep. He was like, you never sleep. I was like, I can't, I can't sleep. I'm the Energizer Bunny. It's just, it was so unhealthy. All because I hadn't got a revelation around the love of the king. I had to get a revelation that the king loves me. Not because of what I do, not because of the results or the ministry or the serving, but because I'm me. (laughs) And he loves me. Yes. Such a powerful revelation. So I had to, we have to learn that our, our results do not make us valuable. Our position makes us valuable in the kingdom. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, point number two. The son gives while the orphan takes. 
So the orphan feels he needs to provide for himself fully all the time. He, he thinks nobody's going to take care of me. I got to take care of number one. Ain't nobody looking out for me. So he's bound by anxiety and worry constantly in the area of his finances. He looks for opportunities to like cut corners. He's not a stealer. He's not doing anything. You know, he wants to stay in the kingdom. He's a rule follower, remember? So he's not like actively stealing, but he takes little bits when he can because he, he has a root of lack and poverty and a little bit of greed in his spirit. And when he's faced with opportunities to be generous, he withholds because he's got to take care of number one. Now, remember, now, important to note that the orphan does give 10%. Oh, he's a tither to the penny. He gives 10%. But he does it out of legalism and obligation because he thinks he has to do it to maintain his place in the kingdom. So he does it with an attitude. He's like, the king's rich. Why does he need my 10%? The king's so rich. Like, why is he taken from an orphan? Like, he's kind of, he's kind of jerk. He has no revelation of the generosity of the king. So he gives, but not out of a generous heart. He gives out of legalism and obligation. The son. Now the son. The son is fully aware of his father's extravagant wealth. He's like, my dad has got a cattle on a thousand hills. Like there is no limit. There is no measure. It is exceedingly abundantly beyond, beyond anything you could even think is my dad's wealth. But he also knows that his father is exceedingly generous. And his father operates in a generosity and loves to pour out blessing upon his children. So everywhere the son goes, he is generous. When he is strolling through the town and he encounters a beggar or a widow, he's immediately acts. He immediately is generous and wants to give because he wants to reflect the heart of generosity of the king. So he is quick to give. His revelation around the generosity of his father is so great. Because the father is generous with him, he is generous with others. So again, the key here is that he knows the father's heart. Are you guys seeing a pattern here? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? There is a pattern here. We have got to get a revelation around the abundant generosity of our heavenly father. And when we do, it is easy to give and give with a cheerful, generous heart. Second Corinthians 9, 6. I love this scripture. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each one of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Listen, listen, listen. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So does that mean that God cares about my heart when I give? Does that mean that I can't just give my 10% reluctantly and out of obligation and with an attitude? God actually cares about the heart. Yes, friends. God wants to see that his children are operating in a heart of generosity, that we echo his heart of generosity, that it is easy to extend our hand to the needy because our father is generous. I remember back in my orphan days, 
long time ago now, thankfully, I was, I would absolutely describe myself as a taker. I never stole. I was not, I never stole from anybody. I was a total rule follower. But it's like the little things. It's like, you know, when I'm going out with my friends and we're going out to dinner and somebody's like, I'll pick up the bill. It's like, thank you so much. That's so sweet of you. I never picked up the bill never picked up the bill. It's like any opportunity to cut a corner or to take because I had a heart of lack. I had a heart of poverty. So once I got a revelation around the generosity of the king that I serve, my heavenly father, things were able to shift for me. And now it is so, it's like my favorite thing to do. I'm going to pick up the tab. I'm going to sponsor this person for Cherish. I'm going to sponsor them for Emerge. I'm going to sponsor them for Junior High. I'm going to give to Vision Builders. I love to be generous. And so, friends, I just want to encourage you just to meditate on the generosity of our Father. That is really what unlocks generosity within us. God loves to see when his children reflect his heart of generosity. Amen? Amen. All right, point number three. The son lives by faith while the orphan is bound in fear. So the orphan is consumed by fear. And the root of this is because he feels he's unprotected and uncovered. He senses he's vulnerable to the enemies. There's enemies to other surrounding kingdoms that are enemies and he feels that he's vulnerable and he's, he's unprotected. So he's intimidated by, by enemies, by the neighboring kingdoms. And the orphan isolates because he's scared to be vulnerable because he has a fear of rejection. But the son, the son knows that he has ultimate protection and covering from every enemy. He knows that as he's going about his father's business and doing his father's will and expanding the kingdom, he will experience resistance. It's going to happen. There's enemies. They're going to come, but he knows that all he has to do is look at them and say, I'm the son of the king, the one true king, the real king, the king that defeated you, the king that stripped you of title, the king that stripped you of power. He's my daddy. He's my king. I will not back down. I will not be afraid. I will not be intimidated. So he's fearless. He knows that every enemy he faces, his father has already defeated that very foe. And he will not back down in fear. He is bold. He is courageous. He knows that no weapon formed against him shall prosper. And every single evil thing that rises up against him, he will command that thing to go. He carries the authority of the king. The king. The real king. And ain't nobody want to mess with that king. He knows that any enemy he faces will flee at the very sound of his father's voice. That's how we should be living. We are not fearful. We will not be intimidated. And by the way, have you ever heard of a royal prince or princess that doesn't have bodyguards? And like real legit ones that look like Pastor Tom Foster. (laughs) 
and John Mack and Charles Fuller. Like the tough ones, right? We're not talking about scrawny little bodyguards. We're talking about buff bodyguards, okay? These are the real. Did you know that your heavenly father has commissioned angels to watch over you, that not a hair shall fall from your head without the knowledge of your heavenly father? Did you know that you are protected, my friends? Did you know that you are covered as a son and a daughter of the king? The king's not going to let his son and daughter go out without bodyguards, without protection. We should never be intimidated. Psalm 91, I love Psalm 99. Psalm 91, 11 through 13. For he will order his angels to protect you everywhere you go. How powerful is that? They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. Come on, somebody. That is like, let's go. You will trample lions and cobras. We should never, ever be fearful or afraid, my friends. We've got to get a revelation around the might and the power of our Father so we can become fearless, my friends. And point number four, my, my final point, and I'll invite the keys out to join me. The son boldly enters the throne room while the orphan hides in shame. The orphan is covered in shame. He feels that he's unworthy of entering the throne room. He perceives that the throne room is a place of judgment, punishment, and condemnation. So he avoids the presence of the king. I can't let the king know what I've done. I can't let the king know the mistakes that I've made. I can't. What if he's disappointed in me? He hides. He won't let anyone in to know his pain or his mistakes, the things that have been done to him and the things that he has done. How sad. He doesn't have a revelation of the love of the king. Now the son, the son, the moment that he recognizes that he has sinned and fallen short, he knows exactly where he's gotta go. He drops everything in his hands and he runs as fast as he possibly can. He's like, I gotta get in the throne room. I gotta, I gotta get in the throne room. I've gotta get into the presence of the king because it's in the throne room, the throne room of grace and mercy that I will receive forgiveness and freedom, restoration, redemption in a moment. I've gotta get in the presence of the king. Hebrews 4, 16, let us then boldly approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And I don't know, I, I feel like there are people here that you really needed to hear that the throne room is not a place of punishment and judgment. And you have been avoiding the presence of the king You've been avoiding the presence of God 
because you perceived that if I get in the presence of God, what I'm gonna receive is, is punishment. But I wanna tell you that the throne room is the throne room of grace. The throne room is a place of mercy. And I wanna encourage you tonight to stop hiding, to stop hiding from the presence of God. He wants to encounter you. He wants to have a relationship with you. But so often shame, guilt, and condemnation tell us that we are not worthy of entering the throne room. But I wanna tell you there's an invitation tonight that, that the Father wants you to come boldly into the throne room of grace, which is the very place, the very place where you will receive mercy. As long as we enter the throne room with a repentant, humble heart, he will not cast us out, my friends. So I feel that some of you have been hiding from the king. You've been hiding in shame. You've felt unworthy, maybe because of things done to you or things that you've done in your past. And I wanna give you an opportunity tonight to encounter the living God who loves you. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so that you could be adopted as a son and daughter of the King. There was one major difference in all four of our categories, there was one major difference between the son and the orphan. And I imagine at this point, if you guys were paying attention, that you probably picked up on it. And that is that the son knows the heart of the king. He knows his character. He knows his attributes. He has a genuine, real relationship with the king. So I wanna invite you tonight and we're actually just gonna move into some prayer and ministry. I wanna encourage you guys just to close your eyes and bow your heads. I just wanna give an opportunity for those of you that you were listening to me tonight and you were like, yeah, I resonate with the orphan. I've been hiding. I don't have a genuine relationship with the king where I can say that I know God's heart and he knows my heart and I want to enter into that relationship tonight. I wanna give you guys an opportunity. And this, this moment is such a powerful moment. It's such an important moment. So if that's you, if you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, or maybe you did at one point, but as you're sitting here in the seat tonight, you recognize that you are far from God. You don't have a relationship. You're not deeply connected to him. I wanna give you an opportunity to change that tonight. So if that's you, I wanna pray for you individually. So I'm gonna ask that you would just raise your hand right now so I can see it. I wanna see your hands go up, beautiful. Thank you, God bless you, God bless you. Over here, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Beautiful, hands going up all over the room. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Powerful, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. God bless you, God bless you. What a powerful moment. We don't rush this moment, friends. We don't rush this moment. This is why we do church, because we are a family and we want, we want you all to join our family. We want you all to join this beautiful kingdom. So I'm actually, I'm, I'm gonna actually do something a little bit different tonight. I'm gonna jump off this stage right now. And if that was you, 
If you raised your hand, I wanna encourage you. I actually wanna hug you. I wanna give you a handshake. I wanna give you a high five. Would you do something very bold and very courageous? We're gonna imagine that this altar is the throne room. And I wanna encourage you. I'm gonna jump down here and I wanna meet you personally and I wanna pray for you personally. Would you be so bold and courageous as to come out of your seat, come down here to the altar so that I can meet you and pray for you. Please come down, come on down. Beautiful. Please come. stop hiding and come out because he wants to have a beautiful relationship with you. He loves each and every one of you. He knows you by name. The Father loves you all. He knows everything you've walked through. He knows everything you've experienced and he still loves you. And he still wants to have a relationship with you. This moment is such a significant moment. We don't rush past this because this moment is a life-changing moment. You guys get to enter into the kingdom of God as sons and daughters of a loving father, a loving king who loves each and every one of you. So we're gonna pray a prayer together, all of us together. Um, I want you guys just to pray this from your heart. Dear God, I surrender my life to you today. I want to have a relationship with you. Thank you for loving me. I choose to make you Lord and Savior of my life. Heaven is my home and God is my Father. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.